101. And uh, anybody get in here tonight, did not get a copy of the outline, raise your hand if you did not. And so if you guys have, have an extra copy, anybody else raise your hand and you can follow along. There's a lot of scriptures there in the outline. So if you need one, keep your hand up, they'll get you one. Romans chapter number one, we're going to continue our series tonight uh, that I've entitled Right Standing with God, Right Standing with God. Any other boys and girls in here, you can go ahead and be dismissed. And uh, they're heading back and Brother Chris and Miss Abby and uh, some others are, are back there ministering to our children while we're in here. This is big kid church tonight, all right? And so uh, make sure that you have your pen in hand and you have your Bibles open tonight. There is so much here tonight. We're going to go ahead and get started. Now, as we started into this series, uh, the book of Romans is a, such a rich book. And uh, as you get into this, uh, this book, what you find is, and I, I went over a little bit of this in the introduction, but it's been quite a few weeks since I, I gave that introduction. There's three main parts, or three main divisions in the book of Romans. And tonight, uh, we're going to continue in that first of the divisions, which is chapters 1 through chapters number 8. And of course, we're still here in chapter 1. And when you look at this division, it deals with the concern for the doctrine of the Word of God. And it, it doctrine is very important. Uh, it, this is what uh, helps us to know uh, what we believe. The Word of God teaches our, our Bible doctrine. And as God was using the uh, human instrument here, the Apostle Paul, Paul was writing to those in Rome to establish these believers in their newfound Christian faith. Uh, I've always been appreciative of people that have encouraged me, that have uh, many of you from time to time will write me or say something. And, and listen, it's not about puffing a person up. It just, I think all of us from time to time, it's a human nature. We need encouragement. All of us do. And uh, many times I'll receive something. And, and Paul here was writing to these believers in Rome. And as he, as he began what we call the book of Romans, it's really a letter that he wrote to those in Rome. And in his introduction to this letter, Paul speaks of his love for this church that's there in Rome. Now, when you say church, you're not talking about a building. Uh, certainly, Paul understood the most important thing was those that, that made up, that constituted the church, just like those of you that are part of this particular local body of believers that we call Bible Baptist Church. Now, as Paul gets into the letter in chapter 1, we looked a while back how Paul presented his credentials and some of the things that... Uh, the Bible tells us about Paul is that Paul was a servant and how Paul was an apostle and Paul was a preacher of the gospel and that Paul was an ambassador for Christ. He was a missionary that along with Barnabas and others, he carried the gospel message to, to the regions beyond. And so Paul presents these credentials. Now he doesn't do it to brag about who he is or what he's done, but uh, what he's trying to do is validate, God's allowing him to validate uh, he, it, that it's, it was God's purpose that he would use this man, Paul, to write to these believers in Rome. Once he presented those credentials in the beginning of the letter, then he expressed his concern for some things that were going on in the city of Rome, some of the things that the believers were having to deal with there under the Roman uh, authorities. And then Paul moves on to affirm his confidence that he had in the gospel. That's where we ended last time, how that Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Listen, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And Paul, he actually affirmed his confidence. Folks, listen, if I didn't have confidence in the gospel, it'd be hard for me to get up here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You have to believe in what you're selling. Now, I'm not selling it. I'm giving it away. God gave it. It's free, right? But understand that whenever years ago when God chose to put me into a business where I, I, was, I was basically selling building products, I was glad that before I started to sell them that I had an opportunity to get to know the products out in the field and I saw how they were installed and I saw how they held up and I saw some of the problems that people had with them and it helped me to understand the product that I was going to sell and listen, those products that I sold, I believed in what I was selling and because of that, you heard it in my voice and you saw it in my eyes and many times, even if I was selling junk, they heard it in my voice, and they saw it in my eyes, and they believed it. Now, tonight, we're not talking about junk. We're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I think about Paul here expressing his concern, he knew, as the Bible says here in chapter 1, Paul knew that the gospel of Jesus Christ produces righteousness. Now, do you remember that word, righteousness? I told you what that word literally means. It means having the right clothing. Now, certainly salvation doesn't mean that if you put a suit on, you become a Christian. But when you study the Word of God, the Bible tells us that according to God's Word, that before God, all of us are sinners. And many times what we try to do as sinners is, just like Adam and Eve, we try to cover up our sin. We try to cover our nakedness before God and so when we get saved, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is placed on our account that when God sees us, we have the right clothing on because Jesus' righteousness has been applied to our account. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Listen, it's all about Jesus. It has nothing to do with us, all right? Just want to set that tonight, make sure that we're perfectly clear about that. Now, when you get to verse number 18, look at this verse. The Bible takes a turn here because it ended in verse 17 with this phrase, the just shall live by what? The just shall live by faith. Now, the word just is talking about saved people. Saved people shall live by what? And not by what? Sight. See, we are to live our lives by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. But look in verse number 18 of this very same chapter. Look at the next words. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in what? In unrighteousness. Now, boy, you look at that verse right there. Here's what happens. Literally, the door opens that leads into God's courtroom. I mean, you can, you can kind of picture in your mind this courtroom and how the door flies open to this courtroom, and you can see into the courtroom. And when you were to look in there, here's who you would see sitting up there on the bench, God the Father. There's the Father, God the Father, the righteous judge, sitting on the judicial bench. He is sitting there, why? 
because there is someone that stands before him. Who is that someone? Well, according to the word of God, it's all of mankind that's standing before him on trial. Every last one of us stand before the righteous judge. The Bible says in Colossians 3 and verse 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of what? Disobedience. You see, all of us, everyone has turned himself to his own way. Nobody is interested in what God has for us. That is how humanity is as a whole. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So here you are. You see the door open to God's courtroom in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18. There you see God the Father sitting on the judicial bench. Now what's interesting and kind of neat is that God allows Paul to have a role in this scenario. Paul's role is that he is to act as both the prosecuting attorney and the defense attorney. Paul is filling both of those roles. Now we know that doesn't take place in a normal courtroom, but in this situation, and you'll see it as it unfolds, Paul is both the prosecuting attorney and the defense attorney. And it's interesting that it wasn't Paul that put himself in that position, it was God. God placed Paul there. Do you know God could have chosen anybody to write this book? He could have chosen anybody to stand there in this position, but God chose the apostle Paul, and, and he was a chosen vessel of God. And Paul was carefully chosen for this work. Now, here's the best part. You see God on the, on the judicial bench, Paul acting as the, the prosecuting attorney and the defense attorney, but Jesus is the key witness for the defense. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, you can't think of a better witness than Jesus himself. And this is what we see as this scenario unfolds. And he begins talking about this matter of the unrighteousness of men. And in considering this, when we get to chapter 1, verse number 18, God begins to deal with mankind. And he's considering, first of all here tonight, the heathen or the Gentiles and he begins to make indictments against him. Now, we'll see tonight, the next time we get together, to be different. But here in this passage, the heathen, all the heathen are guilty before God. As we move on in the book of Romans, we will see that all hypocrites are guilty. And then we will get to the place where we'll see that all the Hebrews are guilty also. In other words, that includes everyone. And so tonight, as, as we look at these indictments, the Bible mentions the wrath of God, the revealing of the wrath of God. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you, these people that act like there's no hell and that they're going to have a party someday in, in a place called hell, they don't understand what the wrath of God is. Listen, I don't fully understand what the wrath of God is, but I'll tell you this, growing up, I understood what the wrath of my father was. I didn't like that. And I guarantee you that the wrath of God is nothing to joke about. And the Bible says the wrath of God 
is to be revealed against man, against the heathen, for his ungodliness and his unrighteousness for a couple reasons. And I want to give you those four reasons in the remainder of chapter 1 tonight. And so I want you to write down the first reason that God's wrath will be revealed is because of man's intelligence. Now, I've been teaching in Sunday school in the last two Sunday mornings. I've been teaching these metaphors in the Bible. And the metaphor that we've been studying is that we are his sheep and he is our shepherd. And I've been talking about how that, listen, not just in the Bible, but in reality, in life, that sheep are dumb animals. Very dumb. I mean, I, you know, maybe you put a sheep and a cat side by side. I don't know. But, you know, one of them is dumber than the other. But sheep are dumb. And when you think about the wrath of God being revealed, it is because of man's intelligence. Look at verse number 18 again. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God. Do you see that phrase? That which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. Look at verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are, what's those next two words? Clearly seen. Does that leave any doubt in your mind? clearly seen. It's unquestionable. Look, there's no doubt. You, God has given man the opportunity clearly to see some things in verse number 20, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are what? They're without excuse. You can come up with all the excuses you want. God says, look, I've given, you, I, I've given you everything you need, and yet you're going to try to give me all these excuses. You are without excuse. But we see man's intelligence here. The word heathen talks about those that, that really want nothing to do with God. Oftentimes made a reference to the Gentiles. And the Bible begins here in this matter of man's intelligence, talking about how that man was holding the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, the word hold there means to suppress it, to put it down, to not want it, to push it away from them. You know, it's kind of like the, the little kid with broccoli, you know, wants nothing to do with it. And isn't it sad that man is pushing the truth of God away from him? The Bible says in verse number 19, look at this, we're just working our way through here. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. See, the Bible says here that man knew the truth about God, but refused to let the truth work in their lives. Remember what Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Yeah, the truth's going to set you free. But man says, look, I, now you know what man's saying then, I don't want to be free. If they're, if they're holding the truth, suppressing the truth, they're saying, look, I don't want to be free. 
I enjoy this life of sin that I'm living. Jeremiah, many years before this, look what he writes here. Thus saith the Lord, what iniquity hath your fathers found in me, God says, that they are gone far from me and have walked after vanity and are become vain. Is there any, is there any fault in God? Anything bad about God? God ever done anything wrong? But why does man act like that? Why does man act like God is, is not good, God is not love, God is not kind? And the Bible says here, why have they gone far from me and walked after vanity or become vain? The heathen has suppressed the truth and the reason, listen to me now, I know you know this. The reason man is suppressing the truth, not holding the truth, is so that they can live their lives their own way without any conviction about the sin that they're living in. They just want to live and party, eat, drink, and be merry. They live for the weekend. They want nothing to do with the truth. And what's the result of that? They chose to refuse the truth. Look back in 2 Kings in your, in your notes there. Look what the words say years before this. They rejected his what? Statutes. And they rejected his what? Covenant that he made with their fathers. And they rejected his what? Testimonies in which he testified against them. And what did they do? They followed vanity. The word vanity means emptiness. They just followed nothing. You look at man's pursuits today. Man is following us some of the most trivial things in the world. There are people that are storm chasers. Give me a break. Get a real job. I'm not talking they're doing it because they're trying to get readings so that they can know the weather better. No, they're doing it because they get a thrill out of it. And the Bible says here that man's rejecting the statutes, the covenants, the testimonies of God so that they follow after vanity. And look at this. And they become vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord hath charged them that they should not do like them. God says, I don't want you to be like the world. I don't want you to be like other people. I want you to be my people. I want you to follow my statutes and my testimonies. And I want you to, to understand that I have covenants that I have made with you. And I don't want you to be like them because you are my people. Yet what does man do? He suppresses the truth, won't allow the truth to work in his life. And in his rejection of the truth, what does he do? Watch this. I'm just following the Bible. It's all right there if you don't believe me. He turns the truth into a lie. He takes the word. Listen, who's the first person in the Bible you see do this? Satan. Yea, hath God said? Yes, he did. The old devil loves to... To, to confuse people. And oftentimes, here's what happens. is I don't like that. I don't like the truth. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to twist it to make it fit my life. And that's exactly what we see here in Romans chapter number 1. Look what Jeremiah said again. This is thy lot, the portion of thy measures from me, saith the Lord. Because thou hast forgotten me and trusted in what? falsehood. See, people have gotten to the place where God means nothing to them. They're following a life of lies. 
amazing is that man has so abandoned the truth that, it, and we'll get there tonight, that man has so ignored the truth and abandoned the truth that according to Romans 1, he has become like a beast in his thinking and his living. People living like animals, thinking like animals. Can I remind you tonight that mankind is the creation, the, the crown of God's creation. We are made in the image and likeness of Almighty God. And so when you look at Romans 1, you see that one reason that God's wrath is going to be revealed is because of man's intelligence, or should I really say man's unintelligence? Because we are sheep. Man is stupid. But not only notice the wrath of God being revealed because of man's intelligence, number two, God's wrath is revealed because of man's ignorance. Look, look back in our chapter, chapter 1, verse number 21. The Bible says, because that when they knew God, let's say that together, when they, let's say it again, when they, they knew God. Do you know God today? The Bible says they knew God. You hear me tonight? You hear the Bible? They knew God. And the Bible says when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became what? They became fools. See, the heathen knew God. They knew God, but did not glorify Him as such. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 17. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. To God be the glory. Great things He hath done. See, but man won't glorify God. Look at verse 21. The Bible says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. The heathen is guilty because of his unthankfulness toward God. Look, here's a great verse in the Bible that I believe is the spirit of the day we're living in. Look at this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 3, actually verses 1 and 2. For this know also that in the last days perilous times, shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. There's the word right there in that awful list. Unthankful and unholy. We're living in a day where people aren't thankful. You give something to somebody and they don't say a word. I mean, whatever happened to thank you? The waiter brought me a, a second water today, and, and I said, thank you. When he brought the first water, I said, thank you. When he brought the check, I said, thank you. We just live in a day where, where man as a whole is not thankful in his ignorance. The heathen has, has got to the place where they're no longer thankful towards God, Look what the Bible says after it says there about being unthankful. It says they became vain in their imaginations. The heathen has become 
foolish or vain in his imaginations. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of who? Of God. The Bible says cast those things down, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. But see, in Romans chapter number 1, the heathen is guilty because he has allowed himself in his imagination to become vain and foolish. But that's not the end of verse 21 because look at the last part. And their foolish heart was darkened. See, that's the end of this. You see that they allowed their hearts to become, the word darkened here, are you familiar with different kinds of of shower door glass that they have. Some, some showers have clear glass on them where you can see who's in the shower, what's in the shower. Some have what they call obscure glass. Do you know what it is? You can kind of see an image, but you can't really make out who it is or what it is. So in other words, it, it has tainted what you can see. And the Bible says that the heathen's heart has become tainted it's become obscure he's no longer seeing things uh, listen according to the truth because he's pushing down the truth he's suppressing the truth and look what it says in ephesians 4 this i say therefore and testify in the lord that ye henceforth walk not as other gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of god through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. See, this, listen, it's a heart issue. They, they don't want nothing to do with truth. That means they don't want nothing to do with God. Their heart becomes darkened. They don't see things in the proper light as God has intended. So what happens next? Well, look at verse 22. Here's what happens. Professing themselves to be wise, they became what? Fools. Now, the word professing there means they start bragging and boasting. What do they got to brag about? Look back at verse 21. There's nothing good there. There's nothing godly there. There's nothing to be, uh, uh, you know, hey, look at, look at who I am. No, it's, it, it really is the opposite. Look at what I've become because I, I'm suppressing the truth. They're boasting of their own wisdom. And the Bible says they became fools. The word is moreno. We get our English word moron from it. God says, look, they, they're talking about how smart, how wise they are. I don't need God. I don't need the truth. And the Bible says that kind of, that kind of added attitude and spirit, what it did was it doesn't show their wisdom. It shows their ignorance, how foolish they are. And the God says, listen, they're nothing more than morons because of the way they're acting, the way they're seeing things. It's, now look at this, verse 23. Look, at the, look what it says here. It says, They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God. Do you get a hold of that phrase there? You can't, you can't corrupt God. Man can't corrupt God. But notice here, the Bible says that they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like to what kind of man? Corruptible. 
So you take something that is holy, something that is glorified, and you take it and you bring it down to man's level. And the Bible says here that they, they, have, they have taken the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and to creeping things. So here's man's ignorance. Man literally has exchanged God, God, as, as he takes God as an object of worship and he's exchanged God for idols. So I'm going to take God and take him out of my life and here's what I'm going to, here's what I'm going to bring in to replace God. Now look at this list. The first thing that they do is they replace God with man. Now you see this, look, still today, especially in Hollywood, there has always been the worship of the body. Always. We saw that, Brother Flynn, when we were in the Holy Land. There's always been this infatuation with the human anatomy. And you see here how the heathen exchanged the worship of God, the glory of God, as an object of their worship for that of idols for man. The Greeks worship the body, just like Hollywood does today. But see, man doesn't stop there. I'm not just going to worship man. The list goes on. Then man says, look, I'm going to worship birds. Now, when you study it out, here's what you find is there were many cultures that, that had certain birds, and just a few of them, I can mention many, but Egypt actually adored the hawk. Rome, it was the eagle. They worshiped these birds instead of worshiping the creator of these birds. They chose to worship birds. Look at the third thing that they chose to exchange God for was they were going to worship beasts. The Egyptians were probably the worst with this because they looked to the crocodile. They looked to cows. Hey, remember what happened when Moses was gone too long? They created what kind of animal out of gold? Calf. See, they worshipped cows, sacred animals. They made a big deal. Listen, when the Egyptians, when they were trying to find favor with the gods, they would take their children, their infants, and they would throw them to what animals? Crocodiles. You see, they worshipped the, the beasts that, that were created by God. But then notice the fourth thing here is they exchanged the glory of God for the worship of creeping things. I mean, you think about it nowadays, man, I, I see people just handling snakes. The only good snake is a dead snake. One that somebody ran over like 16 times. Now, I'm not going to go out of my way to kill one. I went over to Brother Greg's house. Brother Greg said, Pastor, come on. He said, I got a rattlesnake out back. You want to come see it? I'm like, no, I'm good. I believe you. You know, no need to come over. But he was insistent. I went over there. And I, I would have been looking, you know, I was, I've been like, get, get the shovel, let's take care of it. You know, it's in, it's in the yard. I mean, I was, I was afraid for Janet. I didn't want her to get hurt. Brother Greg goes over and he gets a little thing and he picks it up. He takes it over to the water and he tosses it back in the water. And that snake comes right back over to their yard. Like, I told you, you should have took care of business right there, buddy. You know, if his wife gets bit by that rattlesnake, I'm not going to forgive him, you know. But you know, when you think about this, is 
The Bible says here, man in their ignorance, instead of adoring the being that has been clothed with majesty and honor, the heathen has rejected the truth in his ignorance. But look at, a, look at another reason that God's wrath is going to be revealed here in chapter 1. The wrath of God is going to be revealed, thirdly, because of man's indulgence. Look at verse 24. We're just working our way through here. Verse 24, look at this. Wherefore God, see, because man chose to worship and give glory to these, to man and to, to beast and animals, creeping things and all that, God says, okay, look at this verse, verse number 24. God also gave them up to what? Uncleanness. Through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections for even their women did change the natural use of that which is against nature. Verse 27, and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman turned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. Now you look at this because indulgence, to indulge, it means to yield to, to give into to be permissive with. The heathen now moves from idolatry to immorality. By the way, it's just one short step. And that's exactly what he describes here. If man is his own God, then guess what man's going to do? He's going to do whatever he pleases. And that's what we see going on here. He can fulfill his own desires, and he can do it without any repercussions, without anything being judged upon him. Why? Because he is his own God. But look back in verse number 26, what the Bible says here, for this, God, for this cause God gave them up unto what kind of affections? Vile. Now you look at that word here in verse number 26. Paul mentions this word. He's writing under inspiration. The word vile is a sin that is mentioned here in this chapter. That is a sin that was rampant in that day. By the way, can I tell you, and I think you know this, it is very prevalent even in our day today. It has not gone away. Now, it's, it's taken on many different names. You know, some of you are more from the generation. I'm not going to say you were alive then, but the word gay used to mean happy. I mean, that's just, that's just how man has taken good concepts and twisted it. You know, now it's, it has so many different letters to identify it. It's like you almost have to say the A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, you know, to describe that lifestyle. You know what God calls it? Sin. You can, that's right. The Bible word is abomination. If we were going to be relevant of the, of the day, it would be called homosexuality. This word vile, it literally means a disgraceful passion or desire. 
The Bible describes here in verse number 26 and, and the verses around it how they were giving their bodies to sexual perversions. And listen, that's not just back in Romans 1, back in the city of Rome, but it's across the world today. That it, 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 Listen, homosexuality or abominable sins like this is really the final stage in those civilizations that turn from God. Let me say that again. The final stage in a civilization is when they are caught up in this vile sin. If you go back and you study, you find this, and I'll share some with you tonight, but the Bible is pretty clear about this being the final stage. It was this sin that caused the destruction of Sodom. Genesis 18, 20, look at this. The Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. Does it make you sick the way it makes me sick when I hear and read the story about Lot, and he's down in the city, and, and the, the daughters are brought out it's instead of him being taken? It just turns my stomach every time I read that passage about the sick perverted lifestyle, and folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something, it stinks in the nostrils of God, and by the way, it's not just there in Sodom and Gomorrah, even in the New Testament, this sin is repeatedly condemned in the scriptures, look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Look what it says in Jude 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example Suffering the vengeance of what kind of fire? Eternal. Now the Bible says, because of their sin, God gave them up. That's what the Bible says. Matter of fact, it says it twice. Now here's what that means. That phrase literally means that God permitted them. By the way, that's God's prerogative. You see, when man has a bent to do something, God's given us a will. Now, God also allowed Satan to do what he wanted to do with Job, but God spared his life. But here in this instance, when God gave them up because of this vile affections, it means that he allowed them to go on in their sins and, listen, to reap the sad consequences. See, there's always a price tag on sin. The wages of sin, the Bible says. So God permits them to go on. God revealed his wrath to them. You say, well, listen, uh, he didn't do like he did in Sodom and Gomorrah where he rained down fire from heaven. No, he did not. Here's how he revealed his wrath. He didn't send fire from heaven. He abandoned the sinful man to their lustful ways. God just says, go on. If that's the way you want to be, then just go on in your sin. Isn't that sad? But that's the world we're living in. See, the wrath of God, it's going to be revealed because of 
man's intelligence and because of man's ignorance and because of man's indulgence. But look at this fourth reason that it's going to be revealed is because of man's impenitence. Now, we, we all know what penance is, right? You know, when you, when you repent of something, right? You're sorry for it. You want to make things right. But I want you to look at these last verses. Look at verse 28. It says, even as, and even as they did not like, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Just, just let that soak in. They didn't like to even have the thought of God in their knowledge. No room for God. And the Bible goes on to say this. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing, look at those words, they knew, they knew, who knowing the judgment of God, they knew. The Bible says that they which commit such things are worthy of what? Of death. Not only do the same, but they knew. But they kept doing it, even though they knew what was going to happen. Notice here, but have pleasure in them that do them. It doesn't stop with them. It goes beyond them. They encourage other people with these sick things that they do in their lives. Now, I want you to see this because when you see God's wrath, fourthly, being revealed because of man's impenitence, Here's what you find as we just read. Man doesn't feel sorry at all. Man has no regrets whatsoever. He doesn't feel bad about the life that he's living, the sin that he's in. As a matter of fact, we as Bible-believing Christians who know the truth, who love the truth, who love God, we're the ones that are the bigots. We're the ones that are being made fun of. We're the ones that we should be more tolerant of their sinful life. Don't get me wrong tonight. I'm just preaching the Bible. I love everyone. But folks, we have to understand what the Bible teaches, and we have to live by the Word of God because God's Word is true. And we must understand this if we're going to help people. Because here's what happens is, some of us know people that are caught up in this stuff. The worst thing you could do for them is to wrap your arm around them and act like it's okay. I'm not saying hate them. I'm not saying be mean to them. I'm saying give them the truth. Well, pastor, what do I do if they don't listen? Your responsibility is to share the truth. That's your only responsibility. Whether they accept it or not, that's up to them. But at least they know that you believe the truth and you need to share that truth with them because the truth is the only thing that's going to lead them out of that lifestyle. So when you look at this, Man began to feel. It's amazing. 
he began to feel the tragic consequences. Have you ever felt the consequences of your sin? I have, many occasions. As a young man, as a little boy, as an older man. And here they are in chapter 1. They're starting to feel. They know what's going to happen. And you would think that when they start to feel the consequences, that they would repent. They would turn back to God. That they would want to make things right. But the truth is, it actually goes in the opposite direction. Instead of seeking God, they abandon God even more. And they actually get even worse. They didn't want to, the Bible says, retain God in their knowledge. Here's what the word retain means. It means to hold. They just wanted to let God go. I don't want no thought of God in my life. They didn't want to retain the knowledge of God. And so man, God says that, that, that he gave them over to a reprobate mind. I, wrote, I put that in your notes because I want you to understand what that word means. It's a mind that cannot form right judgments. Look at that. You're, you're so far down the pathway, you can't even form a right judgment. That's what the Bible means by a reprobate mind. The heathen has now abandoned themselves to sin. Now, I'm going to give you a little flavor here, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to follow the scriptures tonight. But in verse number 29, look at the words here. Here's what it says. Being, what's the next word? Filled with all what? Unrighteousness. Now the word filled, here's, here's what the word means. It means to cram in as much as you can. I mean, you couldn't get anything more in there. They were so full of their sin. So full that God mentions 20 two things that they're full of. Unrighteous acts. I want you to look at this list as I go down these, these from, and they begin in verse 29. They go from verse 29 to 30 to 31. And look at the Bible says, it mentions fornication. That's, that is sexual sins in general, which deals with incest. He goes on to mention wickedness, which is depravity covetousness, which is they were extorting one another, they were greedy. Maliciousness, maliciousness means there was a naughtiness and evil in their hearts. The word envy means they had ill will towards others. They, there was a jealousy that was there. The word murder means that they were slaughtering lives. The word debate means contention. There was strife, a deliberate attempt to mislead others. The word de deceit means to bait, like go, going fishing. It means to snare, to trick. The word malignity means they had bad character. They were very mischievous. The, the word there, whispers, that means they were secret slanderers. They would talk about other people behind their backs, but then the very next word, backbiters, actually means they were open slanders. They didn't care. They just said what they wanted so that anybody could hear it. The Bible says that they were God-haters. I think that's pretty self-describing there. They hated God. The word despiteful means they were very disrespectful to others. 
They were insulting to other people. Proud means that they tried to appear above others. They had a haughty spirit. They were boasters. They bragged about who they were and what they did in the life that they were living, the sin they were involved in. The Bible says they were inventors of evil things. Get a hold of this. They were discoverers of harmful and things that would injure others. Disobedient to parents, that means they were disrespectful and they dishonored the authority that God had placed in their lives. They were without understanding, that means they were inconsiderate and they were foolish. Covenant breakers, that means that any commitment that they made, they did not keep those covenants. They broke all their promises without natural affection, literally means that they were hard-hearted even towards those closest to them. The Bible then says the word implacable. That means that they were people that are unable to be satisfied. And the last word in the list is the word unmerciful, meaning that they were destitute of compassion. There's no way that they're going to have compassion towards others. See, man, listen, this list, amazing list. This list not only committed... The people in this list, man committed these sins, but he did it in open defiance of God. They did this out in the open. And by the way, everybody today has come out of the closet. Things that you never heard about years ago, even a couple years ago. Now everything's done in open defiance of God. But here's the amazing thing as you look at the end of this chapter. Not only are they doing these sins openly to defy God, but they're encouraging and applauding others that get involved in these very same things. Man began, and I said this earlier, as the highest of God's creation. And when you come to the end of chapter number one, here's what you find is that he ended lower than the beasts and insects. Why? Because he began to worship them as his gods. These pagan Gentiles they wished to live their lifestyle and make their own choices, but they wanted to do it without suffering the consequences. Their motto, if they had one, probably would have been something like this, ignorance is bliss. Now, part of it is maybe because they're Gentiles, they could claim that, that, that the, the, the law of God was given to the Jews and not to them. But listen, we'll see in just a minute that that is, that, that, that God, here's what God did. God stripped away all their excuses. They tried to come up with something that they could combat and they could say, listen, we, we just didn't know. These people did not start in ignorance. I gave you there in your notes. Write these words down. And here's, this is the downward spiral that you see, not only in Romans chapter number one, but you still see it prevalent among man in, in the world today. Is Notice their downward spiral. It began with indifference because that's the way they were towards God. They were indifferent to the things of God. And that indifference was followed by ingratitude. They're, they're not thankful to God. They're not thankful for the life that they had. And so that ingratitude was followed by ignorance. Man in his ignorance chose to worship things other than the creator. And their ignorance led them to idolatry. What was it that led Israel into slavery? Anybody remember? Idolatry. See, that's where it ends up. We live in a day, and this is nothing new, that evolutionists want us to believe that man evolved into his present 
state that he is today, that he's become over time. But can I remind you what the Bible says in John 1? All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. The Bible says in Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God created man. Man started as a beautiful creation, but that beautiful creation has left the knowledge of God, and mankind, regardless of what people say, man has not evolved, man has devolved into the beast that he is today. God has given man According to the word of God here in Romans chapter 1, going into Romans chapter number 2, there's two witnesses that God has given to man. And the Bible tells us what they are. The first one is creation. And the second one is conscience. When you look around, you can't deny creation is everywhere. It's a constant witness of who God is. And you think about this, who has a conscience? Everyone. God has put a conscience within every person. And it is that conscience that bears witness that there is a God. And these two things witness about God. And when you see how God has given these, look what it says about creation. Psalm 8 verse 3, when I consider thy heavens, thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. Acts 14, 17, nevertheless, He left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven in fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Acts 17, 29, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the God is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by by art and man's device. Look, God did not, listen to me now, God did not a reap wrath where God has not sown knowledge. God would never judge us for something that we had no knowledge of. God has given us an understanding of who he is through his creation and through our consciences. God has put that within each one of us, those twin witnesses, and they are universal. And the Bible tells us here that all men are exposed to them and all men are exposed by them. Did you hear me tonight? Every one of us are exposed by them. Look at verse number 20. Go back in chapter 1 and look what this says as we finish tonight. The Bible says here, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are what? Without excuse. See, when I look at this, God is saying to the heathen that they are without excuse. Here in Romans chapter number 1, the heathen, the Gentiles, they're guilty as charged. And when someone is guilty before God, you know what they deserve? Death. Now we're going to get to that good part. You know, Romans 8.1. We're going to get to that good part. But right now here in Romans chapter number one, do you see just in this short time we've spent tonight how serious this matter of sin is? And what sin can do and how sin will destroy and it will wreck a life. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. 
And I'm not just talking about that vile sin that he mentions here in Romans chapter 1, but I guarantee you all of us can think of someone we know that's caught up in some of this. And so here we sit, we who know the truth. What's our responsibility? To share it with them, to love them to Jesus, to try to help them understand the error of their ways. Listen, not because we're right and they're wrong, because God's right and their sin in the eyes of God is wrong. I hope you understand tonight the importance. If it was not important, God would have not spent this enormous amount of time in Romans chapter 1 setting up this letter about some of the atrocities that were going on back in Paul's day. And isn't it interesting that everything in here is still going on today? You see, the Bible is relevant. And you and I have a grave responsibility. And I can tell you this, I can't change people. And you can't either. But God can. And that's why we need to make sure that we are doing things God's way. You see, these people, they have no compassion. But if we're like Jesus, I seem to remember that Jesus went out of his way to spend time with a woman at the well. Spend time with a woman taken in adultery. You think about what God did in David's life after he committed the sin that he did with Bathsheba. Listen, we're all sinners. The only difference between us and those we read about in Romans 1 tonight is we're sinners saved by the grace of God. And I will tell you this, according to the Apostle Paul's testimony, God can save anyone. Anyone. Do you believe that? It doesn't matter who you know or what sin they're in. God can save to the uttermost. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this evening. What a sobering portion of the scriptures tonight. Romans chapter number one, and I know that, Lord, I probably didn't do justice to this, this tremendous discourse about the world of Paul's day that really is, transfers even to the world of our day. I think about boys and girls that live in this area that need to hear the truth so that they don't grow up in a world that is doing these things and, and be fed a lie that those things are just natural, they're just normal. That if you, don't, if you don't indulge in these sinful practices that you're, that you're an oddity. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to reach people with the truth and to love them. But Lord, may, may your gospel, the truth, the power of God, reach into their hearts and change them before it's eternally too late. Those are some sad words. God, that you gave them up. Lord, I pray that, that there would not be more people that would follow that, that life, that, that, would, that would turn and repent and see the error of their ways and come to you. 
And help us, Lord, to, to make a difference, to have compassion, to really care about people. We shouldn't look at the life that they live or the way they look or the way they dress or whatever it may be. But everyone is a soul that you died for. God, help us to see them the way you see them. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand and 